Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Julie Bezeka, and I am the Operations Director with the International College of Professional Celebrants. I'm also a civil celebrant myself, and I'm here today with... Hi, I'm Maxine Ward. I'm one of the trainers. Uh, I'm very lucky to be part of the training team at the International College of Professional Celebrants, and I also work part-time as a practising celebrant. So it's nice to see you, Julie. What are we talking about today? Right. So today's subject is is quite interesting, actually. Um, it's the role of courage within Ooh. celebrancy. Now, not ordinarily, you would think, uh, well, you need to be courageous to be um, a mountain climber or a lion tamer or something that is obviously dangerous. But actually, um, courage in its truest sense just means that we're facing our fears. Mm. So facing our fears is if. if put into place is the backbone of so many other things once we can recognize a fear of what we're frightened of and we can face it and then get past it everything else falls into place and I'd like to have a little look uh, at the role of courage within being a celebrant um, and to have a look at what the first things are that you have to be courageous about. In my own personal journey, um, the first courageous thing I had to think about was leaving a safe income and taking a step into an unknown area. Mm. Same for you, Max. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I got made redundant, but then I was given, I, I had a choice. Do I go back into the area and the job that I was probably not very happy in? Or what did I have the courage then to step into something new, really not knowing how it was going to work out for me? So, yeah, I had um, I had exactly the same fear. And we find that, don't we, on day one of our training as well? Absolutely. Um, everybody, when we're training delegates, we find out their individual journeys. And I think that's something that bonds us immediately that we've all been worried, am I doing the right thing? Have I done enough research? Have I chosen the right training company that fits with me and my values? Um, my own personal journey um, is I, I prevaricated for some time. Did you? <laughs> I did. Um, I, I heard about it probably in the summer. I talked to my husband about it. Um, I did a little bit of research and then I shelved it. And... Um, then I just kept, it kept revisiting. And I think that's a telltale sign, isn't it? I if you it keep going, being drawn back to something. So in the end, um, I rang up International College of Professional Celebrants and spoke to Stuart and had a little conversation about the training and had some questions answered. Um, I think we've got a lot better answering questions for delegates now. So I think the answers are more easily more easy to find mm. but at that time I had questions that needed answered answering before I took that commitment leap and that was my first act of courage the second act of courage then is getting yourself through the training week because there's certain challenges and that you have to be courageous about during the training week isn't there I think there are lots of them um, and we really take care to make sure that we understand what people's worries are and take care that we address them during the week so at the beginning of the week people will share their worries um, and it's a good thing for them to do because they're often shared worries and I think they feel safe to do so but because because they 
get together on WhatsApp before the train, and they all, and, and as you pointed out in another of our podcasts, the Sunday before, and we actually start training, they feel safe to do that. And I think it's very important for us to address that. We have people who worry that they're not going to earn any money, people who think they won't be good enough, people who are fearful of going in and speaking to funeral directors, fear of public speaking, um, fear of being consumed by their emotions in the moment. And that's just that's just only a few of them. Um, and we're human, you know, we like to feel comfortable and we like to feel safe. So stepping out of our comfort zone is um is a hard thing to do. Um, and whereas the Sunday evenings everybody's gonna get getting to know each other, you can feel uh, on the Monday morning that everybody's quite anxious um and raring to go. And we we sort of dispel all of those myths and add comfort and confidence to people as as the week goes on. Um, you know, myself. I just I didn't prevaricate that much I just sort of felt it in my gut and I thought right I'm at, I'm at a point where is if I don't jump now I'm not going to jump at all um and we have the same with people so some people just hate their jobs um they're glad to get out of them but they're fearful other people have asked lots of questions and they're more on a you know merging of two careers if you want so I think courage and worries are very personal um and it's up to us as trainers and as an organization to make sure that we understand um what those fears and worries are so that we can help people with their courage and to have courage and i and i really believe by the time they leave on friday um they are packed full of it because of the way that we do the training so i think the thing is then julie you you, you walk out of your training on a on a Friday, don't you? On a real high, you've you've as a group, you've you've done a wedding. As individuals, they've read eulogies. We've given them feedback, um, and then you've got to get started, don't you? You do, and I will come on to that. But I just wanted to go back slightly to that process of voicing your worries. For mm. I think it's like it has two advantages. Firstly, when someone asks you can you tell me what it is you're worried about? You have to put the, the fear into words. So yeah. that's the first thing. You actually have to, to formulate them and, and think about, okay, what is it that I feel frightened of that I need to have courage for? So that's the first process. And sometimes people find that quite difficult to yeah. verbalise their worries. And the second part of that process, I think, is by is by sharing the worry, it's out in the open. It's no yes. longer a dirty little secret in your head. <laughs> no. It's something that you have confessed, if you like. This is what I'm frightened of. I'm frightened of public speaking. Once said, it's out there and other people will go, yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, I am as well, actually. I'd like to learn a lot about that if I could. Mm-hmm. For trainers, this is gold because we can then see which areas for development we really need to focus on and help those individuals so I wanted to just just say about those two steps within verbalizing worries Um, then you led me nicely into a question which is once you've trained what's the next bit that you need courage for now this is quite interesting and I think we as a, an organisation, we've really strengthened on this because our WhatsApp group and our connection with delegates is so much stronger. 
Um, but I think still when somebody has had the comfort of that group and that connection, and then they go home and they're on their own, mm. they're perhaps on day four or five of finishing the course and they've done a little bit, and now it's the time to go and set up that website or visit that funeral director or go and visit that venue or ring up that person to make an appointment. That in itself is another whole level of being courageous because let's be honest we're all frightened of failure and and being turned down absolutely and that little fear monster in our head talks to us during those first few days and says they won't want to talk to you why would they want to talk to you you've not done anything yet you've not proven yourself yet why would they give you a funeral why would they want you to do their wedding and Mm -hmm. Those self-doubt voices come into play. So that's where our support comes in. It does. Tell me a little bit about what you've experienced with the WhatsApp groups and with with delegates coming back to you as a trainer. So I think we've had, oh, uh, coming back to me as a trainer, let's start with that. So I'm um, a, a, a trained life coach and a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. So I offer my services to um, people who have trained with us um, who get stuck and they're not quite sure why they get stuck. So actually doing anything sometimes is really difficult for them. They, they freeze a little bit. Um, so it's about the stories we tell ourselves, our self beliefs that I I work on I had one lady who I had a coaching session with and her husband came into the room three times in half an hour and then we had a conversation about her having the courage to say to him you now need to give me some time otherwise I'm never going to get started so she was dying to get started that's not where the fear was the the fear was this dependency and being able to actually stand up and say hang on a minute you know, I've invested some money in this and now I want to be successful. And once we got that out in the open, off she went. Um, I think with um, with delegates, we have lots of ongoing support and, and the WhatsApp group is brilliant. So once they've had that week forming their friendships, it's just a joy, isn't it, to watch the amount of support that they give to each other, the amount of praise and encouragement they give to each other. And the other thing is that there is such a big range of skills and experiences in that room because people have come through all walks of life. I mean, if you get a graphic designer or a specialist in social media in your group, you're laughing, aren't you? Because they they really, really help you. But even if people haven't got a skill in that sense, it's the, the amount of kindness and support that they give each other, which I think is one of the real um, really beautiful things about being a trainer is, is to watch those, those groups, I think. That support I've, I've witnessed, um, you talked about those specialisms. Mm. I've, I've witnessed, even in recent months, people sharing their websites, their Canva designs, their business cards, and saying, look, I've designed three business cards. Which ones do you think really say most about me? And getting that back. Now, you can do it with your partner. You can do it with your family, but they haven't been on that training course. <laughs> they don't understand. <laughs> they haven't walked your walk, whereas your group have. So I think that in terms of, of 
of answering those naughty, horrible, negative thoughts that come into your your head when you're trying to set up your business, I think is extremely helpful. Now, the next thing I want to talk about in terms of needing courage Mm. is actually getting the work, actually doing the job of being a celebrant. Now, I think there are various areas where you sometimes need to hold tight to your courage. And that might be when something triggers you. Mm-hmm. And it might be when there's a very difficult situation that you have to manage. Could you tell us anything about that in your experience, Max? I went to, so generally funeral directors are really kind to you when you start and they'll give you someone who's led a long and happy life and um, they'll ease you into that. But as you um, develop as a, a celebrant, you you might find some more difficult ones. And I'm sure we can talk about that. But for me personally, I went to see um, a lady who'd lost her husband in his 50s of stomach cancer. Um, and, you know, I've, se- I've previously seen people um, and, and conducted funeral services for people who uh, have passed on after having cancer. But this one, she said the words to me, he, he died eight weeks after his diagnosis. My mum died 12 weeks after her diagnosis. It's a very short time. And I just felt like I had been punched in the stomach. Um, and it was, you kind of feel the need to, to talk about things, but that's not your role. So for me, the courage was holding myself together and controlling this awful feeling going on in the pit of my stomach and outwardly being a calm and reassuring uh, empathetic celebrant um, without saying oh this happened to me and started talking about me because it's not about me but inside and I had to hold all of that together until I got home and talked to my lovely Hugo and said this one's going to be quite difficult and it went on to be quite difficult because it was um, it was hard to get hold of her and hard to get hold of her to respond. So it's having the courage to 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 think about how I supported her in the right way. And then on the at the actual funeral service itself, I think there's always moments where you check in with the family, don't you? We don't even say anything, but you look at them. Um, and she couldn't. She she looked. She never looked at me until right at the very end when I just touched her on the elbow and told her I was leaving. Um, and that was the courage to have confidence in myself because normally people will come out and say, thank you, that was a lovely service. There was none of that. So it's having the courage in my own abilities. So that was courage right the way throughout. What about you, Julie? Yes, and I think what you experienced was a visceral experience Mm. wasn't it yeah absolutely that's one one kind of thing you have to be courageous about Mm. and there are lots of other triggers you know everybody has had a journey and it it might it might be a difficult death it might be the death of a child or a baby there's many people who have lost babies and when they have to do ceremonies around that that's very triggering Um, I think during the course we we learn a lot about how to use emotional control and park it like you did. You mm-hmm. parked it until you could speak safely to someone out of that situation. And, and we do train our delegates to do that and that we're always there for our, our clients. We are not there for ourselves. We're there to facilitate 
what they need. So, yes, that has happened to me in a number of situations. But I also think you need you need courage sometimes to just ring back up again. So you've you've spoken to somebody and you're waiting to hear from them and they don't you don't hear from them. <laughs> think, oh, I don't want to be a nuisance. But actually, you're not being a nuisance. You've got to tell yourself a different story to that. You're actually trying to do your job well. So ring the funeral director back up if you need to. Ring up the clients and find out where they are with their thoughts so that you can manage your work diary and your commitments. And don't be frightened of doing that. I spoke to um, somebody who trained not that long ago who said that she had done any number of funerals but had got no um, reviews from it, no references, no... Um, what's the word I'm trying to think of there, Max? Oh, so uh, Google reviews or testimonials. Testimonials or reviews, thank you for that. And I just suggested to her, there is absolutely nothing wrong with going back and saying how much you were glad to work with that person and you were so pleased that the ceremony was as they wanted. Would they mind very much in their own time leaving a review and giving them a link? This was this put the fear of God into um, this del- this celebrant who said, oh, she couldn't do that because they'd all been such sad occasions. And then to go back, it felt cold. And we had a conversation about actually you are running your own business. Mm-hmm. We have to market ourselves. That's part of who we are. And if they have been happy with what you've done, why would they mind? Why on earth would you mind if somebody that did a no. service for you asked you for a referral or a testimonial? So the fear was in the possible negative response from the client. Whereas when you actually examine it, the worst that can happen is that they ignore it or say no or don't do it. Absolutely. The worst that can happen. And I think if you ask for it in the right way, so if you feel you're able to do so, um, I understand why you wouldn't. Oh, I, I completely understand if that's going to be difficult for you. In most cases, people will. And it's even with weddings. I mean, it's quite funny. We we all make mistakes. And I did a wedding where I was reading out their vows and I and I made a slight error in reading them. And I thought, oh, I dare ask them for a review now because they're going to be so cross. I'll just not bother. Um, and then the couple started doing social media and they were tagging me all over. On, and I thought, well, if they were so cross with me, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> but then I said, would you give me a review? And they gave me a five star review and they said lovely things about it. But it taken me I think 12 weeks <laughs> to yeah. get up the courage because I, I didn't want them to give me a horrible review <laughs> and I thought that's all they would remember. And to be quite honest, everybody laughed when uh, I made that slight gaff. Um, it was a wonderful wedding where the best man kept ad-libbing throughout the c- ceremony. It was brilliant. Um, and so I thought, God, I'm really glad. And it's having the courage to have faith in your ability that runs throughout this doesn't it as a as a thread thinking I am good enough I can make people happy and I can do my job and the tiny mistake or glitch or 
point of humor to that couple was a massive mistake in your own head. Yeah, and they just thought it was funny. They just thought it was funny. So we mustn't presume or project our fear onto other things, but to think about if I was in their position, would I like to give somebody um, a review? Yes, I I would. So we've looked a little bit about the courage to actually be within our businesses and to and to work at them. But let's imagine now that we have created a good network, we've got some work consistently coming in, and then all of a sudden it stops, which for some bizarre reasons sometimes it does. What kind of courage do we need to get past that situation? I think it's the courage to to go to, first of all not to listen to the stories we tell ourselves so this happened to me um, and I think the funeral industry has been interesting hasn't it because a lot of people went from Covid and then it all went quiet in the summer and I was thinking have I done anything because I wasn't hearing from any funeral directors is it me are they talking to each other oh you know, and um, and it was having the courage to actually go and find out why that was happening because um, I didn't know there are peaks and troughs and generally, you know, you'll get flu season, it'll go up in the winter and then it'll get a bit quieter in the summer because fewer people, you know, die during some of the summer months. Plus we'd had COVID, which had meant, meant that some of the people who would have died later had died earlier and all of that. And I'd never even thought of that. So I'm making up all these stories again in my head, not having the confidence to go and ask and find out. Um, and when I did, I found out that that's why it was. Um, I also found out that because I'm a part-time celebrant, um, I'm not always first on the list. Um, and that's fine. I have to accept that funeral directors want you know people that, that, that can get hold of. But sometimes they'll say, oh, well, you weren't available the last time. And, and I have to go and say, it doesn't mean that I'm not available the next. So it's about having the confidence to go and um, go and change their mindsets. Um, I've had to be confident when I've not been paid by a funeral director. Oh, yes. And that was really difficult to think, well, you know, maybe they'll tell another funeral director some story. No. And what I actually did is I rang another funeral director and discussed it with her. And she said, no, no, this is what they do. And um, and so I had the courage to do that. So there's lots of times, I think, when we really have to jump out of our comfort zone. And I'd say in the majority of cases, it's it's good news. You learn more. You don't receive the criticism. You just help yourself um, manage those situations in the future and be braver. Absolutely. And also, I think in all walks of life, you can hit a wall. Yes, absolutely. And w- what we have to think about as a company and what we do think about as a company is providing um, not just support, but rocket fuel. So what we're doing is providing um, for all our members free continual professional development sessions. So it might be on um, facing your fears. It might be on public speaking. It might be on social media. It might be on any number of things that we give you free professional continual development. Um, So if you are a member of the International College of Professional Celebrants, do check those out and use them. Um, and if you're thinking about training, bear that in mind that it's a, it's an ongoing process. We learn more from failures than we do successes. So that's also another way of thinking about it. Um, so when we started off thinking about 
okay, we're not rock climbers or mountaineering or we're not lion taming. So, you know, do we really need courage? Absolutely, we do. In everything we do, it's it's at the basis, it's, it's right at the foundation of everything we do to be, to ask that question, to follow it through, to ring back up, to say the difficult words, to tell the difficult life stories and love stories, and to be there for people, all of which takes a huge amount of courage. Um, thank you so much, Maxine, today for joining us and for sharing some absolutely wonderful examples of when you have had courage. It's been an absolute joy, Julie, as usual. Thank you. Right, my darling. And we'll um, hope to hear, see you, hear you and uh, be able to chat to you all again in our next podcast. So, so do keep um, seeing what's new. Thank you. Thank you.